About IBD podcast. I'm Amber Tresca. I was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis in 1989 and had J-pouch surgery in 1999. My guest on this episode is Megan Johnson, who you might know better as the front butt YouTuber. And she calls herself that because she's a permanent ostomate. Megan was first diagnosed with ulcerative colitis probably had a J-pouch maybe. She describes a little bit about what that was like and went on to have more problems with fistulas and eventually she was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and she asked to have an ostomy in order to improve her quality of life. Megan is studying healthcare communications and she has some brilliant ideas about how we can connect better with people who have ostomies and get them the help and information that they need to live a better quality of life. Megan also discusses why she decided to start her YouTube channel and what happened in the hospital after her second ostomy surgery that prompted her to think about healthcare education and how ostomates are receiving information and how they're perceived, not only by the public, but by other healthcare professionals. Megan is a wealth of information about ostomies and about living life as a chronically ill person in general. I know you're going to enjoy her. So here we go. like to be ill as a child. Confusing, isolating, I uh, just didn't know what was going on. I kept comparing myself to my peers and I finally figured out that I wasn't quote unquote normal. For myself I felt like I was normal because that's all I was used to but then I saw myself kind of falling behind everyone and then, you know, I start figuring out not everyone is in pain. No, not everyone is wincing. So there's something wrong. There's something off. And that's when I just kind of went back into my box. And then and when I became an upperclassman in high school, that's when I started putting the pieces together and doing a little bit of research. But it wasn't until after I graduated high school that things really started coming together. And then yet again, I became really sick. Um, And I had a senior trip over to uh, Paris and Barcelona and my pull through was not acting the way it should. I could not eat, Uh, I was losing weight. Um, I was just avoiding smells of food. My health started going down, I couldn't walk as far as everyone else could, and the overall overseas trip was just not that great. And then uh, I, I came back to the States, and my family moved across the United States, and that's when stuff really hit the fan. And when stuff hits the fan, it tends to go all over the walls, and and, and yeah, I uh, started to develop a... Uh, an abscess um, down below there and come to find out, long story short, uh, it was a fistula. And so I I knew something was wrong and I got into the GI doctor and at this time I lost all my connections uh, through healthcare because we moved and 
I didn't know how to research a good GI. And I went to this GI and he just started throwing pills at me. And I was taking, I believe, like 26 pills a day. And for, for both uh, ulcerative colitis and Crohn's disease, because we didn't know how to, to treat the symptoms. So he was just throwing stuff at me. And by the time I found help, uh, the abscess uh, became very large and uh, went to the emergency room a couple times, had it lanced, still was called an abscess. And then uh, my mom was helping me dress it and I had this huge stomach cramp. And these cramps would happen a lot growing up and so severe that if I was walking down the grocery store with my mom down the drive aisle, I would get these just severe cramps to where I would have to stop, cross my legs, and stay still and kind of like rock back and forth until they passed. And then um, you would hear a really loud growling sound. And normally that pain would be kind of like lower abdomen. But at this time when my mom was dressing this wound, I had this cramp and the, the pain was moving a little bit towards that area. And all of a sudden I feel this release, kind of like this air down in between where um, the vaginal opening is and where the anus is. And so it was located uh, just on my left lower labia. And I, I felt that release kind of gas. And I looked at my mom's face and my mom just went pale. And she goes, I think you just pooped out your vagina. And I was like, <laughs> excuse me, did we just say that we just pooped out the vagina? And my mom just looked terrified and we, I, I can't remember at this point what happened because I was in panic mode, but it tried to keep my, my cool and, and we finally went to a surgeon that I really wanted to get into. Heard all these things about, you know, this was my first research about a surgeon and she did, she put me under and she's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a fistula and we're gonna, we're going to put on, put in a um, seton stitch or a seton stitch, a seton stitch uh, for, I believe like four months. And um, after the uh, placement of the seton, I was going to have, uh, go back to an ileostomy, um, but my mom's insurance wasn't going to cover this doctor, so um, the surgeon sent me to one of her students, and her student at another hospital did the surgery, and it it went okay. You know, it was my first major surgery in a while, so I was still getting used to um, how people interacted with me, and I actually I begged my surgeon to give me an ileostomy, and. I was like, I, I just don't want to be in this much pain anymore. And and she was quite shocked because I guess people normally don't beg for one because there's such a negative stigma around it. And she goes, do you, do you know what you're getting into? And I'm like, absolutely. I watched all the videos, I went on YouTube, I researched, I was trying to find people around my age 
uh, to connect with, and there wasn't too much. Um, you know, I, I found Sarah Ringer. Um, I, you know, I, I found a couple other people on there. I found uh, Laura Cox as well, and I was prepared. I was, I was ready, ready to hit the ground running. So after I woke up from surgery, I was like, ooh, these drugs are, these drugs are great, but you know, we're, we're in pain still, and. I lifted up the sheets and I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's a stomach's a little bit bigger than I thought. And just because you never get to see a new stoma because it's, it's um, shielded from the public. And even through, you know, my academic research, because at this point I was, I was in college, still am in college, but at uh, a um, community college. So I still had access to databases, but databases don't really give you that many pictures. And so um, I was waiting for the ostomy nurse to come in. And prior to, um, I had another nurse, and she gave me this, this keyboard that connected to the TV in my hospital room. She goes, you need to go through the... Um, the training through the hospital and make sure you know your rights and all that type of thing. I'm like, oh, this is great, it's interactive, but it took so long to get through it. And again, you know, I I was recovering from surgery. My brain is, is not functioning the way it normally functions. And I'm on a lot of pain medicine, and so trying to go through this learning process was, was just overwhelming, and my mom was helping me. And after I finally get through the process of um, getting to another hospital and how to order food and just just hospital etiquette, right? Uh, the videos for uh, ostomy care came up, and I'm like, oh, great. Like, it's going to be, you know, um, someone that's going to be... Um, around my age or someone that has like a textbook stoma, right? And so the video comes up. This video is, is probably filmed in the late 90s. Audio was messed up. Uh, there was no closed captions, which when I watch TV, I always have closed captions because with my processing disorder, I often lose meaning through um, audio context. So I was still trying to piece together information off this video and I kept looking at this woman and she had um, a hernia around her stoma. And since I had a ileostomy before when I was two, right before I had the pull through, I knew the gist of an ostomy. I knew the function. I knew um, the basics of uh, the appliance change. I just wanted to watch it just to make sure that I had my facts correct. Of course, every ostomy change is different uh, due to the person, but this video was so outdated and needed to be updated. And I, was, I kept thinking, I'm like, what if a person that never had any contact with ostomy information saw this video first? They would be absolutely terrified. And at that point, I'm like, you know what? There, there needs to be more content. And every person has to connect to the educational subject. And I was like, you know what? There's people on YouTube 
I'm going to be a part of the YouTube community. Start out small and just see where it goes. Maybe I can make a couple connections because, again, at this point, I was still isolated and talking to people that don't have IBD or who are not chronically ill, they just don't understand. And no matter, you know, how much I know them, it's just there was, we weren't on the same level. And I was like, yep, I'm gonna get myself a camera and we're gonna sit in front of it and we're just gonna talk. And that's how I got started. And just sitting down in front of the camera, nervous as heck. I remember sitting in my room and my room is, is, is at the time, um, didn't really have a lot of room for equipment and lighting was horrible. So I had a lamp that I put on the floor, not, you know, uh, the correct distance at all that I put on the floor. And I used a camera um, from uh, 2009. So it was still pretty just standard definition. Um, just again, not, not the greatest content or um, technology to use. And I sat in front of that camera and everything that came out of my mouth was um, 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 um. Went through and tried to edit, and it took me forever to edit. And now I'll, I'll sit down, and it'll take me quite a while to set up because I have all the fancy lights now. I have the audio equipment, and now when I sit down, I have my MacBook and I have Final Cut Pro, and I know what I'm doing, and it's very, um, very quick now. Instead of having to take weeks, months to edit one video, now I can edit a video within a couple of days if it's, you know, below five minutes. So it's, it's definitely interesting um, to see the content I, I made when I first started comparing it to now. And looking back at my old videos, I can see where I could have made improvements. And so I'm constantly criticizing my work. Um, but I always think who is this for? It's for people that don't necessarily have the outlet to get information. As long as the content is good, that will just make me happy. So the next step is getting the technology, getting the skills down. And yeah, I, I just want to make sure that people that are ready to go through the surgery have those resources. And, and it's, it, no one wants to go through it alone. You could be surrounded by really close friends and family in a room, but you can still feel like you're on a different plane. You could feel like you're in a different book or in a completely different library. So being able to go on YouTube and go to the outlet and make connections completely turned my life around. Had you done anything like that? prior to the realization in your hospital bed that you wanted to start a YouTube channel? Because I have a fifth grader, and everyone in fifth grade wants to have their own YouTube channel. Yeah. So just a little different for me. I'm a little older, and that, that's not an aspiration that we had growing up. So like, what? where did those dots connect for you there that that was the thing that you needed to do? Well, I'm a very shy person. Yeah, you can you can ask my mom. When I was growing up, I was always the kid in my room that never wanted to come out. Didn't want to talk to anyone. Um, just just myself and my Batman action figures and my Hot Wheels. So right before I had the surgery, I was like, you know what? 
these these people that I found on YouTube help me out so much. I, I want to return the favor somehow. I want to be a part of that community that helps people, that gives out that hand and says, grab my hand, I'm going to pull you up. And we've been through the same stuff together. Yes, we have different stories, but we've been through similar pain. And at that point, it's, I'm going to sacrifice the self, myself of being trying to get out and about and be less um, to myself and I have to think that if I'm sharing my story it's because it will help someone else. Advocating is a domino effect. I, I want other people to join the community. I want someone to be included and be able to be themselves and have that connection. Do you remember the videos that you saw? Was this something that you think the hospital produced? Or, like, was it an ostomy company? Like, where did it come from, do you think? I, I, I think it might have been the hospital, maybe. Um, it, was, it was kind of low budget. Um, you know, it, it was probably done by um, a camera crew, but a camera crew that didn't necessarily know the right angles for an ostomy or how to show the stoma correctly um, and also it comes to the point where you know who's gonna step up to the plate and be the person that's showing off their stoma and I'm assuming that there's not a lot of people to do that and so having you know a, a person um, that has the hernia around the stomach. Yes, it's great to have the exposure, but not necessarily for the incoming patient. Um, maybe it would be like the third or fourth video that comes up saying, you know, this is a complication. Um, you can live with it, but this isn't what a stoma would look like after your particular surgery. Um, so I often get a lot of um, panic messages about um, a person doing their own research and they latch onto one outlet. And that one outlet is giving them all their information, but that one outlet has their own story. And not that one story can be elastic and fit over everyone else's head like a, a shower cap. You know, everyone has their own stuff. And I would have liked to seen something that was a little bit more textbook because I would have freaked out a little bit more because how the angles were shot just made it a little bit more scary. And with healthcare right now, we have um, not necessarily limiting information, but information given to the pa patient in a certain way so that they can absorb it in a way that is um, stepping stones. You can't just jump in the water because it's going to be ice cold and you might drown. You have to put your toe in, dip it in a little bit, and learn gradually. And so we have to have um, that first step be about an inch off the floor before we have to climb up that stair. And I think that video was a, a little bit too much at the time. But now looking back, it's it's great to have that exposure, just not at that point. And so I wanted to make a channel that started out at the very, very bottom, the very basic, 
and then start stepping up and just talk about the simple issues like how the heck do you shower with an ostomy appliance on your abdomen and it's something that a lot of people don't think about until you're right you step in the shower going um um how is this going to work and in a lot of the answers through the ostomy nurses is oh yeah you can shower with that but what if you have issues with the skin around the area or you know some some people don't realize that um, a person may have to wait if their stoma is new because it's swollen, there's stitches everywhere, so if the shower head has too much pressure going on, it could hurt the stoma. So I always, th I always say, ask your surgeon, make sure that the stoma is okay, you know, ask your ostomy nurse, is it okay, is my appliance okay? And then we can take those baby steps because sometimes there's so much information that we often forget about the um, the basics. And yes, the basics are there, but it's all individualized. So having that one-on-one -on -one in person or having that one-on-one -on -one messaging can help so much. Just simple questions of, hey, do I need to you know empty out my bag before a shower or, should I, you know, um, use a certain kind of toilet paper? Just simple questions that y you won't necessarily have until it happens. And I have to often compare it to school. So I am uh, currently a senior uh, working on my health communication degree. And often I'll get um, directions for an assignment. I'm like, oh. Oh, this will be easy. It'll, it'll only take me a couple of hours. You know, I can, you know, put it off to the last minute. Put it off to the last minute, open it up, and go, oh, this is a whole lot more complicated because now I'm trying to find the website. Now I can't find the tab. I wish there were more, you know, instructions sort of how to find this tab I'm supposed to, to find and then watch the video and now the video doesn't have audio. And so it's the little questions that you have in the process that, you know, those little questions, you ne not necessarily can just, you know, grab the phone and ask your nurse. You could be on hold for two hours. Heck, it could be the next day or the day after that. And having that information obtainable just with a Google away that's with someone else that has the medical plans is convenient and it's easy. I think it was really forward-thinking of the hospital to have these videos mm -hmm. available, even in the way that they were done. Um, my ostomy was in 99, and I remember being given some pamphlets, and it was the opposite situation. Mm -hmm. uh, the stoma in the pamphlets was amazing. It was beautiful. Her skin was lovely. Um, it was not an older person. It was probably more of a middle-aged mm -hmm. person, and, and that was fine. I felt like, my, well, my stomach doesn't look like this, and uh, my skin is broken, and so I'm kind of of two minds about uh, where do we find this balance between this perfect I'm assuming airbrushed <laughs> stoma situation and then showing the reality 
Yeah, not trying not to scare people because that doesn't serve any purpose. Mm-hmm. That is that is something that I often bat around about in my head. It's what do you show a person? And everyone else is everyone is on their own level. And every stoma is gonna look different. Um, a textbook stoma is great just because you get a good seal, but that doesn't necessarily mean the person that just had the surgery is going to have that stoma. And a lot of times I'll get messages of people going, hey, like, what's going on? My, my stoma is huge. When I look at yours, yours is so small. I'm like, well, uh, when you have a new stoma, it's, it's going to be quite swollen because you just got out of surgery. That swollenness will go down after a couple months but it's gonna be pretty big. And you're gonna feel like you have an alien coming out of your abdomen for a wee bit. In the first three months, I always say, is, is probably the hardest just because of the swollenness. And I almost wish this could be too much, but there was like a um, binder of different stomachs with um, different skin pigmentations and um, different age groups and different kinds of stomas, like we have a lube stoma, we have an, an ileostomy stoma, and you know, those look all different, and I wish there was maybe a little bit of a slideshow that we can show someone that, hey, would you like to see different kinds of stomas? So we offer them, and if they, you know, don't want to look at it, that's fine. Or we give them a code and be like, whenever you're ready you can, you know, look at these things if you're curious, have these questions. And it has to be a good balance, and it's very individualized. Maybe there can be a, um, a website to where it works on tiers, and you complete it like a quiz or something, and just informational education stuff. It's challenging because there's so much stigma associated Mm -hmm. with having a stoma. There's this idea that it only happens to older people after Mm -hmm. they've had colon cancer, of course. Mm -hmm. We know that that's that's not true. And there's not a lot of effort put into a matching type of a situation like you're talking about. If you had a resource of... Um, a Facebook of stomas, mm-hmm. you could then find one that mirrored your situation. Someone who had an ileostomy due to Crohn's disease and, like you said, has a skin pigmentation similar to mine and it's an end ileostomy, what might that look like? Mm-hmm. I feel like that might help people prior to surgery, I think that actually might calm people's fears, Mm -hmm. actually, rather than be scary. Yeah, but I would love to see see workshops, in-person workshops, and either before surgery, which I know that will be very difficult for some people, um, because sometimes, especially with, with IBD, leading up to ostomy surgery, people are so sick. You know, it could be a workshop that they could go to afterwards, or, or something within a, within six months of having the surgery. 
you'd go and meet other people that just recently were about ready to have surgery and then have presentations from um, medical professionals and ostomy advocates. So you get the real people and then you get the professional backing up for credibility. And it's funny because I, uh, I made a couple of uh, workshops for class for hypothetical situations. And my professor is, is actually a nurse. And she goes, this, this could actually be a thing. Like, I want you to follow this because we really need this resource. And I went on saying that making those connections will help people get out of the isolation and get out of the, the fear of not being able to, to get help. And having the workshop to go to, there's resources there. You, you get to meet manufacturers. You get to see the actual ostomy appliances. When I went back to my Ileostomy in 2013, I went online. I was trying to order ostomy supplies, but I didn't know what any of it looked like. And the pictures that were on the um, the distributor's website were not even stock. They were just insert image here, or it had a picture, but it wasn't the right product. And so I was like, ah, oh, there has to be a resource where we could go and just look at the appliances. And so right after I went back to my ileostomy, I was in Kansas City and I went to an ostomy store. I walked in, and immediately, the people behind the counter, they were trying to figure out who had the ostomy. And immediately, they, they look at my mom, and they were looking at my mom's abdomen, they're like, ah, oh, I can't really find it. They look over at me, and they gloss over me. And then they're like, hey, how can I help you today? And I'm like, oh, well, I would like to look at ostomy appliances. And they're like, you would like to look at ostomy plants? I'm like, yeah, I, j I just had the surgery. And they're like, oh, well, come over to this wall. And so they had a, a tack board full of about 10 different ostomy appliances. And I actually got to touch them. And I'm like, this is wonderful. This is what I wanted. I wanted ostomy supplies that I could touch. I could feel how it feels against my skin before I purchase it. And I don't regret going to that store. And a lot of people get kind of scared walking into the atmosphere. And being in that store and, and talking to the person about what ostomy supplies should I order or what should I try out and just having that one-on-one. -on -one. And I was there probably for about two to three hours just asking questions back and forth that I didn't necessarily have with my ostomy nurse because we were in that setting of hospital and the ostomy nurse just didn't have enough time. And we were kind of a little bit rushed. And so having that one-on-one -on -one with the salesperson that sells ostomy appliances to all different kinds of people was just, just a breath of fresh air and gave me so much more confidence. And yeah, I, I wanted to create an outlet that you could also get uh, the same feeling, but it could be accessible to everyone that has an internet connection. So that, that was, again, one of my other goals. And, and yeah, it's just resources. 
As far as acceptance goes, we see that as a huge issue in the community. I think there are people that go years without finding a way to accept that they're going to live with an ostomy. Do you, you asked for the second ostomy due to pain, pain um, fistulizing. You were originally an ulcerative colitis mm -hmm. diagnosis, yeah. right? And you had the pull through surgery. Did you have a J pouch? Supposedly I had a J pouch. Oh, okay. Um, so I, w I was told um, that I had a J pouch, had the J pouch, quote unquote, for 17 years before it failed and fistulized. Right. Right before I went back to an ileostomy. Um, my surgeon was like, I, I don't think it's a J pouch. It never functioned the way a J pouch should function. Right. It doesn't look like a J pouch. And yes, I looked at your records, and everyone else that did the scope of it kept referring to it as a J pouch. But to me, I've constructed J pouches. I've fixed J pouches. I've taken down J pouches. It doesn't look like a J pouch. It looks like a pull-through. Mm. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I have a pull-through. And the sad part is, is I could never find my original surgery records yeah. and my original diagnose paperwork. Yeah. And it was lost by the hospital. Oh. And I still could obtain fragments from the surgery, but it was never the full file. And so I still have the... Um, can't really process it because I don't know what happened to my body. Exactly. And to be in that position is, is not that great. No. And so I, I constantly question things. And so when I go into my surgeon's office now, which is, who is not my original surgeon, I go, what happened? I don't understand. I can't piece it together. And, you know, I, I do have PTSD now from all the medical trauma and having those pieces missing just quote unquote guts me mm -hmm. pun not intended but it it just it destroys my mental you know my mental um, capacity so so to speak so was so. acceptance it was easy for me it was easy yeah because the first time in my life I knew exactly what, what I was had happening. I knew it I had the power of saying I have the medical records to show you this is what has been done to my body. I could talk to my surgeon and be like, so at this point in the surgery, where did you go? And she'd be like, oh yeah, I went past here, and then I connected it there, and I could have that one-on-one. -on -one. And growing up, I wasn't able to communicate with my medical team. I could hardly communicate with my mother, so being in that position of, not having power over your own body messes with you a wee bit. So begging my surgeon to go back to an ileostomy, I wanted it. I wanted to have that control. I never had control over my bowels. And you know, I would have accidents all the time. I was in so much pain. My quality of life was not great at all. But yet, people kept telling me, because I had the diagnosis of UC, that, quote-unquote, I was cured. Because at that point, people were like, well, if you have surgery, you're cured. Which is not the case, as we know now. And then, so, um, last May, I 
was finally diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Knew I had Crohn's disease, but I couldn't say I had Crohn's disease because I wasn't diagnosed with it. So I kept going on saying that I had ulcerative colitis UC. And so now I'm getting my ducks in a row of what has happened to me. And so I view my ostomy as empowerment. I have the ability to see patterns and to adjust my appliance so I can somewhat function. Yes, I'm not able to function like a person that doesn't have IBD, that doesn't have an ostomy. I can still somewhat function to get through school. Yes, I still have medical leaves. Yes, I still have Crohn's, but I have power. I have the ability to go and research medical terms that I know, get the information that I want, and piece it together. And I didn't have that before. So it's, it's kind of hard to talk with someone else that hates their appliance. And when I say hate, I mean they really do not like it. And I, I'll run into people that are just like, mm, well, I have it now, it's great. But when I meet a person that was like, this is horrible, and you know, I, I didn't want this, I have to put myself in their shoes. We had totally different separate lives. And the, the people that have the most problems in my experience that I've had contact with so people that grew up with some span of being healthy, with not being in pain. So they have tasted that strawberry. They, they know what it tastes like where I've never had a strawberry, so to speak of, hypothetically. So I was basically born unaware of what it's like to be a, in a normal, quote-unquote, body of not being um, somewhat disabled now and as I get older I'm getting a little bit more disabled disabled as it goes on which I'm fine with I'm fine with but coming from a person that has had their health and then it being taken away from them is, is hard if we can help ostomates feel as though they have some control over their bodies can that help bring them to some level of acceptance and hopefully a better quality of life. Yeah. When you can't get a seal on an ostomy appliance, it's the worst thing. You you can't go out of your house. I mean, you're pretty much just sitting in the bathtub just, just watching output go and you can't move. So being able to find an appliance that works for your body that you can see the patterns of when to change, when not to change, gives you a idea of what the future might be like. In the future, when I say the future, I could be talking 20 minutes from now, I could be talking six hours from now, I could be talking days, weeks, months ahead. It gives you an idea of what to expect, to where when you can't make that seal, you don't know what's gonna happen. And if you have a stoma that isn't textbook, that 
dips down in or protrudes, um, you're going to have those seal issues. And if you have those seal issues, then your quality of life goes down. So having the ability to change out the appliance and to make that seal is very valuable. And I'll, I'll message back and forth with, with someone who has complications and they just, they just don't like the appliance. And, you know, in our group, we've had people have the ostomy surgery and complications and, and they just, they just don't like the appliance because it's not working. If the, the foundation isn't there, then you can't build anything on top of it. So it's, that's where again, ostomy education comes in. If there's something wrong, you know, with the stoma that you can't fix with supplies, then you can't live the way you want. And, you know, if you are unaware of how the stomach should function, then you kind of dip in between the cracks and you get lost. People are falling through the cracks. Ostomates are falling through the cracks because Absolutely. you really need uh, that. It's almost on you to go and seek out things. Mm -hmm. It's difficult in that way. Yeah, you need to go to a medical supply store and talk with someone. You need to go on YouTube and watch some videos. You need to contact the companies and find out, talk with a specialist there and find out what they have that might help you with whatever problem is currently happening. Mm -hmm. If it's your skin or you have an inverted stoma or one that is prolapsing or whatever's happening. So how do we, how do we capture these folks and sort of get them to the place where they are able to have the appliance that works for them. The person has to be informational seeking. Yeah. They have to be seeking some kind of education. And what's happening is people are not looking for help. So those people fall through. And then we have people that are looking for help, but don't have the resources. They don't have health insurance. You know, it could be something that's a systematic problem of, you know, being in a poor community or, um, or it could be the opposite. You could be in, you could have all the riches in the world, but there could be such a stigma holding you down that you don't want to look for information. So, so there's so many different pieces that could contribute to people not seeking for seeking help. And so I have to get to them somehow, and that's the hardest part. But the people who are looking for help find me somehow. They Google lost me. Normally they find Eric first, then they come to me. Um, but in fact, if they can just find my channel, they can just find my outlets, I am the ostomy social worker. I can tell them where the resources are, and it's just a little nudge. That's all it takes, a little nudge to be like, how about you call Chloroplast? How about you call Comtech? How about you call Hollister? 
chat with them on the phone for an hour, just an hour. I, I, I challenge you just to talk to them on the phone for an hour. Come back to me. We can sort through the information. You can uh, um, tell me what you've learned. I'll help you piece together information. Then I'll give you another tier to work on. I'm going to be holding that person's hand, but I want them to be able to look for the information themselves because I may not be there. I, I, I may be on a personal break from my channel and something that I have to make sure that myself is okay before I help someone else. And if I'm on that break and they really need help, but they're too shy or, or scared to ask for a medical professional's help, which I gotta tell you, sometimes I'm shy too because the, the atmosphere is, is, is scary. And if you don't know how to communicate with a medical professional, then you're not gonna be able to get the information that you need. And so I like to, to sit down at my computer, message back and forth one-to-one -one with the person. That's my favorite thing to do. And be like, what is the information that you're looking for? What is your basic question? And then I can guide you there. I can send you the links. You may have to do a little bit of legwork and that's okay. So what I'm working on right now is my own website. I, I just launched it. Um, I, I used it um, for one of my assignments for my capstone class and I'm working on making it a hub and where all my social media crosses. And I want a person to be able to jump on my website, hit the resources tab, see the list of websites that they can click on and so that they can navigate it themselves. Now, another problem that we're having is what if it's not accessible for the person? What if they have a, another disability? You know, then that cuts down their resources even more. So now I'm trying to make my outlets even more adaptable. You know, having those closed captions and uh, a difficulty with with uh, making content uh, for myself is I have a processing disorder. So it's hard for me to write. It's hard for me to spell correctly. I know that that's so minute, but if I can't put um, closed captions on my videos, if I can't physically type it out myself, because sometimes my hands get so bad from the arthritis that I physically cannot type. And that means another person that may have a disability could not reach my content. And they've slipped through the cracks. So it could be, there's so many different cracks that someone can slip through. And so I'm trying to recognize where I could put putty in those cracks, or where I could put the tarp over it, and or even just a plank so that they can walk across that crack. Just making content a little bit more accessible could help. But again, we have to make sure that the person is information seeking. And that's a challenge all on its own. So. And it's not something that we can really bring a person to. They have to come to it on yeah. their own. Yeah. However, we can fight stigma. We can. 
because that's one of the biggest issues with people not wanting to um, find information mm-hmm. is stigma. You know, the stigma of only old people have ostomies. Yes, old people do have ostomies. Everyone has ostomies. You know, a newborn could have an ostomy. A seven-year-old can have an ostomy. A 24-year-old, such as myself, can have an ostomy. And so we have to have more presence in, you know, I would love to see more presence of, you know, just IBD in the media, ostomies in the media. Like, why can't um, a, um, a person on a TV show could have an ostomy? And it could just be like, oh, yeah, I have an ostomy. And just be as that. And show that, you know, you can still hide the ostomy, you could still wear normal clothes, but just having that exposure can help lead us in the right direction, lead us away from stigma. But the person that is producing that character, I hope that they use a person that actually has an ostomy because we could just be working off more stereotypes and we start going downhill. Right. And we already see that a lot. I've never seen a positive portrayal of an ostomy on a TV show. Yeah. But, um, so, and that's why the work that you do is so important. So can you go through your, first of all, your new website, mm-hmm. which I was able to look at. It's very nice. Yeah. Um, where your website is and then the other places that you hang out on social media. Yeah. So my website right now, and it's under the domain name, the front but youtuber.wordpress.com. Right now I am working on transferring it over to the front but front but youtuber.com. Um, I often tell people you could just Google the front but youtuber but with two T's and my stuff normally comes up but I do have a Twitter uh, uh, front but UTR um, and then Instagram and the front by YouTuber because there's underscores. Um, I'm also on Facebook. And then, of course, I also have an email for business purposes only, uh, the front by YouTuber, YouTuber at yahoo.com. Um, but again, like with all, all these outlets, it's hard to make sure that the information is even because I could be on Twitter most of the time or I could be on Facebook most of the time or I could be on Instagram. So again, I wanted to make that website. And something that's cool about my website, it's, it is at a lower reading level because of my processing disorder. So that means people that may not have as high as education or someone who is a little bit younger could read it. And then if they want to go up and read a little bit more complex, then I will give them resources. So once they get to that point of being able to to read higher levels, then I'll put them over to you and and have that outlet as well. So I just want to start off with the very basics and have a positive outlook on things. And when I say positive, I don't want to be, you know, stereotypical, you know, of, oh, she's so positive. But no, a light that I put myself in empathetic shoes and I use humor a lot and you can tell by my my name my blog name the front but youtuber that I am turning my story into something 
that we can chuckle at and you know I, I want to see smiles on people's faces and I make content that you can you can you can laugh and you can create those connections because this is some heavy stuff and I hope that making some humor out of some things can help guide us into a community and so we can lean against each other and that that's my goal is I, I just want people to be happy to be comfortable in their own skin and yeah I think you're getting us there <laughs> thanks Yay. so much Megan it's great talking with you well thank you for having me this is this was a great opportunity thank you told you that was going to be good, right? I'm putting all of Megan's social media information in the show notes. You can find her across social media as the front butt YouTuber. Megan is a college student with a stoma, so she has lots of content about that. But she also talks about being a young person dealing with chronic illnesses and also dealing with aspects of being disabled and how that's affected her life. You should follow her wherever she is because you won't be disappointed. In addition, she's pretty darn funny and she's a good friend. My special thanks to Megan for sitting with me at Healthy Voices in Chicago to record this episode. You can also follow me across all social media as About IBD, and I hope you do. Let's figure out how we can better support people who have had ostomy surgery so that they don't have to go through this situation where they're seeing either a stoma that is obviously not a post-surgical stoma, or they're seeing a stoma that is perfect, like the one that I saw, or they're seeing one that is somewhere along the lines of maybe being a little more challenging, but perhaps maybe being a little bit too scary for someone that just woke up with an ostomy bag. Thanks so much for listening. You're my super listener. And remember, I want you to know more about IBD.